In Matthew 24, we have an accounting, first of all, of the disciples coming to Jesus to show him the beauty of the temple that had been built in Jerusalem. But Jesus said to them, See ye all these things? Verily I tell you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus is saying to the disciples, Don't pay attention to physical things like this building and how wonderful it is because it's all going to be destroyed in the end. Well, by saying that to the disciples, Jesus got their attention to the end time when everything would be destroyed. So the disciples said to Jesus, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? What is the sign of the end of the world? It finally gets a focal point onto how do we know when the end of the world is coming? What is the sign? And Jesus is going to answer that in Matthew 24, starting at verse 4. And the first sign that Jesus named is this. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The first time I read this scripture, I thought Jesus was saying, they would be coming saying they were Christ and deceive many. But that's not what he's saying. They were going to come saying that he, Jesus, is Christ. And because they say Jesus is Lord, you will think they are Christians. And when you think they are Christians, they can deceive you. So he says, Take heed that no man deceive you into thinking he is a Christian. Because he says, I'm Christ. I, Jesus, am Christ. So it can be a little confusing. But basically, he's warning us there are going to be many deceivers in the church in the last days. That is going to be one of the signs of the end times. But I'll also say to you that the last days really began after the resurrection of Jesus in the days of John, because John told us there were already many Antichrists in the church. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. And you'll have to understand this setting. For Jesus has just been crucified. He has been raised from the dead. He appeared to over 500 people before he was taken into heaven. He appeared to the Apostle John and the other apostles who were walking on the earth at that time. He appeared to them as a human being in the form of a human being. They saw him after he had been crucified and raised from the dead. Then he was taken into heaven. Now we have the New Testament church. And the New Testament church in the early days of the church met usually in homes. 
So it's a totally different setting than today. The Apostle John is speaking to the individuals who are the church and they're meeting in a home. And John says, little children, it is the last time. It's already the last days. Jesus has been raised from the dead. We are in the end times. See, they began 2,000 years ago. The end time began at the time Jesus was raised from the dead. That's when the New Testament church was set up. So John is saying to the church who's meeting in a home, little children, it's the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. Many Antichrists. They had heard Antichrist would come, and John is saying there are already many Antichrists. There are many deceivers who say they are Christians, but they aren't. And they were sitting among them, and then some of them left them. The Antichrist people left because they could not get an opportunity to set up their own doctrine in the church group. As long as John and Paul were working in the churches, they kept order in the church. And they could not set up their own doctrine, so they left that church group and they set up denominations. And that's where it all started, was back there right after the crucifixion of Jesus. They began to set up their own churches so they could speak other doctrines. The apostles wouldn't permit it. So here is what John said. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrist, whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So we can just picture them leaving the real church group and going out and setting up their own church groups. Thus, all of these denominations that we see today formed their while the early church was going on. Now, I know some have formed within the last 10, 20 years, and maybe there's some more that are forming right now. I lived in Lubbock, Texas a few years ago, and a woman who had attended First Baptist Church now attended Second Baptist Church in Lubbock. And she told me this story. She said, we started Second Baptist Church because we wanted to have musical instruments and orchestra providing our music. And First Baptist Church just wanted to have a piano. Then we broke off from First Baptist Church and started Second Baptist Church so we could set up an orchestra. But then we found we did not have enough money to pay an orchestra. So First Baptist Church decided they would start an orchestra, but they had the money. So they started an orchestra. And that's why we have First Baptist Church and Second Baptist Church. So see, this is how it happens. 
Where did these churches come from? Where did all these denominations come from? They're all over your city. Why? There's only one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, but we have all of these churches and all of these church doctrines. Where did they come from? Well, through the years, people broke off from their church and set up another church because of something they didn't like at the previous church. So we have all these denominations, and often they splintered because they didn't like the doctrine, and they wanted to set up a church by another doctrine. There is only one doctrine, and that is the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. That's all we have. We have no other rule book. They can publish a doctrine of your church that you're attending, but that doesn't mean it's the doctrine of Christ. The New Testament Bible is the doctrine of Christ. We have no other doctrine but that to go by in the New Testament church. So Jesus said to his disciples, and we have it recorded for us to see in Matthew 24, verse 4, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I, Jesus, am Christ, and shall deceive many. They will come saying, Jesus is Lord. They will come to us looking like a Christian, sounding like a Christian. But what we'll find is when we speak spiritual things to them, they really don't understand. And they don't rejoice over spiritual things. That's because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It's the people who have the Spirit of God who are of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. These counterfeit Christians, who think they're Christian, these counterfeit Christians joined a church. Often they were baptized in water, but they do not have the Spirit of God. They're not of God. Though they think they are, and they come among us, as Christians, but it doesn't take us very long before we can tell there's something wrong with these people. If you pay attention, you will see it when it happens. They can't follow Scripture like we do. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. 2 Timothy chapter 3. They deny the power of that scripture to rule over them. For example, Matthew 5.32 says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That sounds like foolishness to the world. That sounds like foolishness to people who are not of God. 
and to churches where they are sitting, it sounds like foolishness. But to those of us who are of God and have looked into that scripture of Matthew 5, 32, we accept that as the word of Jesus because he's the one who spoke it. We accept these rules from the New Testament Bible as the word of God. They might hear them read, but they don't pay any attention to them. And they go on doing whatever they want to do, and they think they're Christians because they joined the church. But they don't have the Spirit. Jude warned us about this in the book of Jude. Let's go to the book of Jude. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They say Jesus is Lord, but by their works and actions they deny the Scriptures. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, homosexuals, They were all over the city. They came to have sex with the angels who came to visit Lot. They went after strange flesh, men with men. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, who went after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, did not dare bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts. In those things they corrupt themselves. See, they don't have the spirit. They have the natural flesh and they reason everything out by their own mind and they miss the things of God. For Paul says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. If you tell people at churches today the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, the majority of those church people's We'll think you are crazy. 
They will not understand it because they are not of God. When we are of God, we accept the scriptures and we let the scriptures rule over us. We adjust our thinking to what the scripture says. But they do not. He says in verse 12, These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. They have no fear of God. Clouds are they without water. They say things, they promise you things, they look like they're going to produce, but they produce nothing of value. It's all just words. Carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, their own shame, things they think, things which seem right to their natural fleshly bodies. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against God. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. This is what they are today. They sit among the church, but they do not have the Spirit of God. You cannot be of God unless you have been given the Spirit of God. And you cannot understand things of God without the Spirit of God. So they break away, they set up other churches by their own way of thinking. And they end up denying the scriptures, which tell them what to do. We are told that we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Spirit. There aren't all of these divisions. Why do we have all these denominations? It's because men have set up churches to suit themselves without following the New Testament Bible. Because they're fleshly men and the Bible makes no sense to them. So they go out and set up their own church and do whatever they want to do. And that's why we have so much division. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, 
but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, another saith, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? One says, I am of Paul, and the other says, I am of Apollos. One says, I am a Methodist, and the other one says, I am a Baptist. That's dividing the body of Christ, and that is carnal. There's only one body of Christ, and there's only one doctrine of Christ. And that doctrine is the New Testament Bible. The doctrine of Christ is written out for us in the New Testament Bible. And that's what you have to go by. We uh, came across a Jewish woman who said she believed in Jesus. And she attended, she called herself a Messianic Jew. And as I understand that, that is someone who's Jewish who says they're a Christian. She had met a man and was very excited about him. And she has, was a divorced woman. And we could see that she wanted to marry this man. So Pam and I began talking to this woman about this. Pam explained first that this would be adultery if she married this man. And Pam gave her scriptures from the New Testament Bible showing this would be adultery. This woman said to Pam, but I'm a Messianic Jew. We have our own doctrine. Pam told me, and I said, they have their own doctrine. There's only one doctrine, and that is the New Testament Bible. There's no such thing as another doctrine. Either you agree with the Bible, or you have no doctrine. I turned on to television news one day and all right in front of my eyes was that man who called himself a pope that catholic man they were interviewing him and someone asked him what do you think about homosexuals and he said well I don't see anything wrong with being a homosexual and I screamed out at the tv what about the bible see that's where doctrine comes from that our doctrine is the Bible. So what does the Bible say about homosexuals? Romans chapter 1. It starts at verse 25. They changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat.'" 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So God calls homosexuals and lesbians, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to perform vile affections. And that's what we read in the Bible. So we come along and we simply agree with the Bible. This is what God says. This is the way it is. We don't try to reason scripture away. We go to the scripture to form that which we believe because we cause ourselves to believe the scripture when we are of God. And Paul tells us to do that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we go to the Bible and we read all of the New Testament Bible. If we want to know what God thinks about divorce and remarriage, then look up all the scriptures on divorce and remarriage, and you will see what God has to say about divorce and remarriage. So then we form ourselves according to the scripture. So if you were to ask me, well, can the divorced woman remarry? I will tell you 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. Starting at verse 10, Paul says, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. In other words, Paul is saying, Here is a commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. So, no, the divorced woman cannot remarry without committing adultery. That's what the Bible says. Once again, let not the wife depart from her husband. Don't depart from your husband. He can be a wife beater. He could be a fornicator. He could be a drunkard. He's saying don't depart from your husband, but if you do depart, you remain unmarried or be reconciled to your husband. You don't go out there and divorce him and then remarry because then you're going to be an adulteress. So if you decide to leave him, you could leave him. But you must not remarry, is what Paul is saying. And he says this is a commandment of the Lord. We'll read it once again. And unto the married I command... Yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. So there you have it. You can leave your husband. He says don't do it. But he says if you do leave him, remain unmarried or be reconciled to your husband. So what if you leave your husband and remarry? 
as a woman. What if you leave your husband and remarry? What is your status then? Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Paul says, Know ye not, brethren? For I speak to them that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth, by the law of God to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. So what is her status? If she leaves her husband, divorces, remarries, she's an adulteress. She has committed adultery. That's what Paul is saying to the New Testament church. Now, some people come along and say, but we don't live under the law of God. We don't live under the law of God concerning sacrifices of animals for our sins, for the blood of Jesus paid for our sins. So we don't live under the Old Testament law. No, we don't live under it. We live under the New Testament law, under the rules for the New Testament church. And in all of these scriptures I've read to you, they're from the New Testament Bible, and Paul is speaking to the New Testament church. And he says... If the woman divorces her husband and marries another man, she shall be called an adulteress. One time a woman contacted me and wanted me to get with her and discuss her mother's first marriage. God said to me, do not pay any attention to the circumstances of her mother's first marriage just read all the scriptures on this subject. Pay attention to the scriptures. We have no scriptures that tell a woman she can divorce and remarry. We have no scripture at all in the New Testament Bible which says that. You find one if you can. We have no scripture. We have scriptures that say if the woman leaves her husband and remarries, she'll be called an adulteress. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. Jesus says, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, divorce his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, and causeth her to commit adultery. If a man divorces a faithful wife, and she goes out and remarries, he will be the cause of her adultery. She will commit adultery if she remarries. But this husband who divorced her will be the cause of her adultery. And that's what Jesus is saying. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. If you marry a divorced woman, you commit adultery. There just isn't any exception to that. After I was born again, my best friend confided in me to tell me that she had been divorced. And when I met her, she was married to her second husband. I asked her husband, 
Would you have dated Donna if you had known she was a divorced woman? Donna kept this a secret. She attended a church, but she kept it a secret that she had been married and was divorced. Hal's wife died of cancer, and he was left with three small children, and he wanted to remarry. So he went to this church, and he met two women that he thought that they were single women who had never been married. So he was deciding which one of these two women would I want to marry. And he picked out Donna, who had been divorced, but had kept it a secret. So I said to Hal, if you had known Donna had been married and was divorced, would you have dated her? He got very silent, and then he said, No, I don't believe I would have. At that time, they were teaching this in the churches. This was back in the 60s or so. They were teaching that in some of the churches. And Hal had heard the truth that if a man marries a divorced woman, he commits adultery. But he married Donna because by then he had fallen in love with her and he married her and denied the scripture. Donna knew it was wrong because she hid it that she had been married. She hid it from Hal. I think she told him before they married. I know she did. She told him before they married, but he went on with the marriage, denying the scripture. You either do the scripture or deny the scripture, one or the other. It can't be both ways. You do the scripture or you deny the scripture. But this is what the scripture says. At the judgment seat of Christ, after everyone has died and has been raised, we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, where we are going to be judged by the word concerning what we have done on this earth. And every man will receive according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5, start at verse 10. Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, says Paul. In heaven, there are rewards. The Apostle John talked to us about what we are to do that we receive a full reward. Second John, start at verse 8. John says, Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ... In the New Testament Bible, he hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, 
He hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, this doctrine of the New Testament Bible, receive him not into your house. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So here comes a Catholic into your house. And that Catholic is calling a priest father. And Jesus said in Matthew 23, Call no man your father. She's not abiding in the doctrine of Christ. So we have to make a decision not to have that woman into our house. And we certainly can't wish her well. For if we do that, we become partaker of her evil deeds, says John, and we're going to lose reward in heaven. God gave me a dream about this. I had an aunt who had been taken into heaven, just as I had been at one time. And she said, oh, and it was all golden. And she was a very different person than most people. Very, I considered her to be very spiritual. Although she attended a church where she said she knew things were wrong. It was Church of Christ. And before she died, she told me she knew things were wrong at the church. But she stayed there anyway. God gave me a dream where I was in this room and they had eight or ten bassinets lined up along the wall with babies in the bassinets. I went to each bassinet and looked down at the baby and I was very shocked. The baby was horribly deformed. Each baby in each bassinet was horribly deformed. I got to the end of the row of bassinets and there stood my aunt. She was probably about 40 years old, a full-grown woman, but on her face were these horrible blemishes, horrible blemishes. And I knew what God was showing me was she would not be receiving a full reward in heaven. She would be in heaven, but not receiving a full reward. Why? She stayed in a church where she knew things were wrong. She also had people come into her house that did not have the doctrine of Christ. And I'm sure she was friendly to them and approved them with her friendliness, thus wishing them well. Well, she'll be in heaven. I know she will be. But I was shown it this way. I went into this auditorium, and I saw my aunt and my mother sitting in the middle of the seats that were in the auditorium. I was taken up on stage and I was to be first chair, first clarinet in a band that was performing. That's the highest ranking you can have in a band. First chair, first clarinet. And I said, oh no, don't put me there because I don't think I play well enough to be there. Put me in the back row. Just put me in the back row of the band. They said, no, this is your place that has been reserved for you. I knew God was showing me that I was in line to receive a full reward. 
in heaven. I knew God was showing me my mother would be in heaven, my aunt would be in heaven, but they would not be receiving a full reward. Now let's read again what the Bible says about this full reward. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, basically, on this earth, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine of the New Testament Bible, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Second John, verses 8 through 11. We have to consider how we are living on this earth as Christians. We cannot join the pagans of this world as we go out and they go out to decorate graves, paying homage to the dead. We pay homage to the living and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can't live that way. I don't believe we can be involved in politics. Even I don't believe we can be voting. By voting, you're choosing one man over the other. Are you absolutely certain those two men running for that office are not doing evil? Are you certain that they follow the doctrines of Christ, the real doctrines of Christ? Do you really want to wish them well? For if you wish one of those men well by voting for him, and he goes out and does something evil, aren't you partaking of his evil deeds? We are not told in the Bible to vote for a man, to approve a man. We are told to pray for the rulers, to pray for those in charge, to pray for kings, so that we can live in peace on this earth. But we are not told to vote for anybody. I, I just think it's a very serious matter. If you're going to approve a man by voting for him and put your stamp on him as a Christian, and if he goes out and violates the doctrines of Christ, you're partaking of his evil deeds. If he goes out and commits fornication, if he goes out and commits adultery, if he goes out and gets drunk, you're partaking of his evil deeds. So be careful. Be careful about those people you approve because you are going to be joined with those people. And if they commit evil, you're going to lose reward in heaven. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.